We'll stop talking about depressing stuff. Do you love hearing about more happy stuff? Oh, God damn. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to I Really Wish You Hadn't, or should we say, rather, this week for our April Fool's episode. I'm really glad you did. Is it a really an April Fool's joke if you say it's an April Fool's joke? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. So, I'm Cayman McMahon, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael Bentley. Hey, hey. And our producer, as always, Colin Moore. What up? So, this week, we are discussing, me and Michael... Uh, two things that we just kind of like a lot, and we're going to talk about them, tell you about them. It's going to be real informal, and um, let's go. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, with all the depressing stuff that's going on in the news and our lives, and, you know, this podcast is always really negative, it's good to, you know, <laughs> take a step back and say, you know, there's there's good things in the world, too. Not everybody's yeah. a horrible failure. Like us, look at us. We're, I mean, we're <laughs> killing it out here. Oh, yeah, killing it. That's very relative. I mean, I'm a I'm an esteemed musician now. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah, that was. Hey, uh, whoa! The bass and hi hat were me. Okay, that's true. Well, I'm in a band. I'm not. I'm not the entire band. Okay, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Well, because I, I do the percussion because I don't care about the words. So you are a musician, like Janis Joplin is a musician. She didn't write the music. Well, never mind. Okay, that was a that was sure. a horrible reference. All right, well, let's. Uh, I'm sure somebody out there is really into it, but neither one of us are. Gotcha. So, what's your happy topic on Michael? Um, yeah. So, I want to talk about Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream, right? No, I don't like ice cream. What? You don't love ice cream? What? God, did you that hear that crack so in my voice? You don't love crack. ice cream? <laughs> I couldn't even do it again if I wanted to. I'm happy that it happens. I feel like it deflected the judgment from coming towards me. All right, anyway, yeah, you can't no, I don't see like colors. You don't love ice cream. <laughs> Not ice cream you're, guy. You're a broken man. I am. All right, so let's... Uh, I'm going to talk about Ben and Jerry's. In 1978, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield ordered a $5 ice cream making course from Penn State University. And I don't mean they each ordered a $5 ice cream making course. I mean, they collectively ordered the one and split it $2.50 each. Um, They had talked about opening a business. They talked about opening a bagel shop. Um, But after seeing this ice cream making course, they decided, all right, we're going to make ice cream. With their newfound knowledge, they planned to start their parlor at an abandoned gas station in Burlington, Vermont. And this gas station was horrible. Like, it literally did not have a ceiling. Like, the roof had completely caved in. You could see the sky through it. And so, um, and so Ben Cohen went to the local newspaper place, and they had these, like, tin sheets that they printed the newspaper with. And they were selling them for nothing. And he bought a bunch of those tin sheets to just repair the roof so they could get their business started. Like, for $12,000, they started their business. They had no money whatsoever. Um, 
The problem was those tin sheets still let water in when it would rain, so they put up a tarp to collect the water, but then that tarp started to sag from all the water that was coming in, so they cut a hole and ran a hose to the sink. Like, we're talking bare roots, start up a company. Like, everything that you imagine um, from a startup, that, that was Ben and Jerry's. And, and it was called Ben and Jerry's. But don't worry, Jerry did get second billing, but he was allowed to be president of the company in exchange. <laughs> so they started selling ice cream pints in the carton uh, because of the seasonal nature of selling ice cream by the cone. Like generally in the winter, you're going to have less sales. So to combat that, they started selling to local mom and pop grocery stores. And through that, they actually started finding distributors that would pick up and carry their ice cream. The problem was their main competitor, Haagen-Dazs, had just been acquired by Pillsbury. So Pillsbury started telling their distributors that if they were to sell Ben & Jerry's ice cream, that Pillsbury would no longer sell Haagen-Dazs to them. And Haagen-Dazs was getting very popular, so distributors didn't want to upset Pillsbury. Ben & Jerry knew they couldn't win a legal battle with Pillsbury because they were a billion-dollar company, and they were just two guys that were running an ice cream parlor. So they started a marketing campaign called What's the Doughboy Afraid Of? They took out ads on buses, and they even put an 800 number on their packaging that you could call. Uh, and you would get an automated message from Ben and Jerry explaining what was going on with Pillsbury. And they sold t-shirts and bumper stickers. Ben Cohen even stood outside of Pillsbury headquarters with a sign that read, What's the Doughboy Afraid Of? And after, after the public and the media heard about this they started harassing Pillsbury uh, why are you doing this you know you're, you're ruining small business and eventually Pillsbury backed out so Ben and Jerry went toe to toe with a billion dollar company and came out of it smelling like roses <laughs> now what I really respect about Ben and Jerry's as a company is their mindfulness about their impact so with Ben Cohen at the helm the company enacted a five-to-one rule, which said that the highest-paid employee in the company could only make five times what the lowest-paid employee in the company could make. This rule changed in 1994 when Ben Cohen retired, and they couldn't find a new CEO that was willing to work for $81,000 a year. So the rule was changed to a seven-to-one ratio, and then again to a 17 to 1 ratio before the brand was purchased by multinational corporation Unilever and the CEO's compensation was no longer being disclosed to the public. So it ended up going away, but until the mid-90s, they had a real like, hey, we're all in this together kind of vibe. Um, and even today, Ben & Jerry's is known for being socially responsible in both its business practices and its branding. On Ben & Jerry's website, you'll find a multitude of issues that the company seeks to bring attention to, such as climate change and GMO labeling, which directly impact their business. Because if the planet heats up, all the ice cream is going to melt, you know? <laughs> uh, but they even talk about things that really aren't in Ben & Jerry's wheelhouse, such as racial profiling and incarceration rates. So even stuff that, you know, they necessarily is not part of their business. Like, they're, they're very socially conscious. The company also encourages participation in government, giving free ice cream to people who vote on election days. Now, that's a little controversial to say because technically you can't give anybody something for voting. It's technically illegal. 
So what they do is they say anyone who wears a sticker on election day into one of our businesses can get a free ice cream cone. And it doesn't have to be an I voted sticker. And some people are assholes and they'll come in with just a regular, I don't know, Barney sticker. And they'll <laughs> say, look, I've got my sticker on. They get a free ice cream cone too. But the idea is to encourage voting. The company also funded the creation of a more eco-friendly ice cream freezer called, and I love this, the Cleaner Greener Freezer. It's pretty good. Ben and Jerry themselves were actually arrested in 2016 during the Democracy Awakening protest on Capitol Hill. According to Ben Cohen, the history of our country is that nothing happens until people start putting their bodies on the line and risk getting arrested. And Ben and Jerry are still very active in the company as well. According to the LA Times at an investors meeting, the founders led the gathering with a hymn and even demonstrated product standards by cutting a pint of ice cream in half with a samurai sword. <laughs> so needless to say, the two founders continue to promote the corporate philosophy. If it's not fun, why do it? And I think that's some great advice that we can all take today. If you're not, if you're not having fun with something, then why are you doing it at all? So thank you, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. I'm really glad you did. All right, there we go. Uh, ice cream. I'll enjoy that. So I didn't realize um, with you doing one and me doing one that there could be a competitive aspect to this on whose story is better, which is the better. I'm, I'm glad you did, but I, I won and I'm going to win. Now, would you like me to tell you why I'm going to win? Was it because my headphones have been dead this whole time? So if you've said anything, I haven't heard it. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he said anything. So, OK, good, because no. I did not hear it. No, I didn't say anything. No, it's uh, it's just because I have a better topic. So, I'm going to try and do that thing that you do that's really annoying. Oh, I'm excited. Let's hear it. The story starts, as all great stories do, with mass genocide. <laughs> no, okay. That, very... that actually makes it sound terrible. Yeah, that's no. not very glad. Yeah, that's, that's this... not good. <laughs> well, it's a good story, but it does start with genocide. I'm gonna move the, past it. I'm yeah, gonna move past I, it. I, I don't know that. That's that. I don't know. Well, why don't you? Why don't you start this one over? No, let him. Let him try to. Let him try to rope okay. it in. No, because it's the damn Holocaust. It's gonna be the Holocaust. <laughs> is it the Holocaust? It is the Holocaust. So, in the early 1930s, oh, thanks no. to the success of the Ford Model T, one in three Americans owned a car. In Germany at this time, there was only one car for every 50 people, mostly luxury cars. Hitler saw a need for his people. The need for cheap and reliable transportation. Hey, hey, Cayman, we're doing we're doing the one where it's like good stories today. I don't this know is what... a good story. This is a good story. And like, I could go into the reasons that Hitler's bad. We could do an episode on that. But there's literally nothing more to add to the story. We all know that Hitler was bad. But I really you know wish what? you hadn't Hitler. Stick with me. Stick with me. This is this is a good thing. This is a good thing. So in 1934, Hitler told Ferdinand Porsche of Porsche. To build a people's car, or a Volkswagen. His stipulations were that the vehicle should be able to transport two adults and three children. The ideal Aryan family, in his opinion. This should reach speeds of 100 kilometers per hour while not using more than 7 liters of fuel per 100 kilometers. So that's 62 miles per hour at 32 miles per gallon, U.S. gallons. Porsche produced a rear-engine air-cooled flat-four car with aerodynamic design to easily produce parts, and this became the first Beetle due to its Beetle look. 
1938, Hitler laid the cornerstone for the Volkswagen factory and named the car the Kraft Duke Freundwagen, which translates roughly to Strength Through Joy car. Because Strength Through Joy was their initiative to make Germans happy underneath their authoritarian regime. They provided radios, vacations. They were going to provide cars, but we'll get into that. So Hitler was given the first vehicle and another 210 were produced, which were given out to military and government personnel. Germans could acquire their own Kraftdeutschfruitwagen by paying 999 Reichsmark for the car through a program where you put back 5 Reichmark a week for a little over 4 years. Now the average German made 35 Reichmark a week, so that's not so bad. Uh, unfortunately for the German people, they would never see these cars. On September 1st, 1939, Germany invaded Poland, signaling the start of World War II. The production of the Kraft Dirk Freudwagen was altered to start making the Kubelwagen and the amphibious Schwimmwagen on the chassis of the Beetle. About 66,000 of these vehicles were produced for wartime use, becoming the German equivalent of the U.S.'s Army Jeeps. Pretty much. So in 1994, production of these vehicles was halted due to Allied bombing raids, which incapacitated the factories in which these cars were built, because the Britons were focusing this. They knew that these uh, military personnel vehicles were coming from somewhere, and they eventually took it out. After the war, the badly beaten Volkswagen factory was handed over by the Americans to the British and remained in their control in 1945. It was to be dismantled and shipped to Britain. However, no British car manufacturer was interested in the factory, so no one made a bid on it. Knowing that Germans needed jobs and the industry post-war wasn't great, the British government handed control of the company back to the newly renamed town of Wolfsburg. At this time, the Beetle, freed from the tyranny of the Third Reich, was officially named the Volkswagen. The car was an instant success over its British competitor, the Morris Minor, which was unreliable and not designed for high-speed travel, and its French competitor, the Citroën 2CV, which was a low-speed car designed for rural peasantry, pretty much. It was more powerful, more fuel-efficient, and more reliable than nearly every car at its price point in the European market, and by 1955, VW had already produced its one millionth Beetle. The factory of the Beetle was produced and was going to be named the Wolfsburg Volkswagen Plant, which is today the headquarters of the VW company and is the largest car manufacturing plant in the world. So the British companies passed up on something that could have been huge. Now enter the United States in the 1960s. Just as in Europe, the Beetle was a huge success. But something was coming. Something a little unexpected. In the U.S. in the 1960s, the counterculture movement had begun. Quote-unquote, hippies were experimenting with free love, fighting government oppression and segregation, and marching in anti-war and pro-peace rallies. The American youth were becoming educated, bold, and compassionate towards their fellow man, and they needed an affordable, reliable car to drive them from rock and roll concerts to their protests in Washington, D.C. They needed the Volkswagen Beetle. Now let's consider that for a second, because it's a great piece of irony. A car, born as the brainchild of a totalitarian, fascist, war-hungry Adolf Hitler, became a symbol of peace, a symbol of change, and love and anti-war sentiment. The car encapsulated the counterculture movement, not only found new life, but found a whole new identity. And how poetic is that? 
Hitler's own creation had become the quintessential car of shouting, fuck you Nazi. And that's pretty cool if I say so myself. Now the Beatles sales did eventually decline. The car was given a reboot in 1998 with the Beetle Type 1 and again with the Beetle redesign released in 2012. But last year in 2019, VW produced its last Beetle. Now, is that a bad thing? The Beetle has proven everything that it had come to prove, and so much more throughout its lifetime. By the end of production, the original design, which occurred in 2003, might I add, in Mexico, 65 years after the first Beetle had rolled off the line, over 21 million cars had been produced, making the Beetle the longest-running and most-manufactured car of a single platform ever made. So, listeners, my point is this. Next time you see a strange-looking, bug-faced car pass you going down the road, give the driver a wave, a smile, maybe a little bit of moment of silence, because whether they know it or not, they are driving one of the world's most beautiful pieces of automotive history. Okay, I have one question. What's your question? How do you not like ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it's too sweet. It's cream out. I like brownies. I like ice cream on brownies. And you call that mush. Okay, I actually have a second question. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, you see somebody driving a Volkswagen Beetle. Uh Uh-huh. How do you tell if they're a Nazi or if they're a hippie? Mmm it's getting harder isn't it i feel like you know five years ago i would have been confident like what nazis come on but no very political very very political don't you take my i really glad you did and and ruin it don't you muck me down to the level of i really wish you hadn't i mean to be fair my mine got like kind of uncomfortably political towards the end like i was almost like is this too political Nah. nah it's fair Ah, I'm not I'm not too worried about being like, hey, well, they're two great topics. They're two good things. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and the Volkswagen Beetle, honestly, kind of go hand in hand. Honestly, weirdly, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. And I could have gone on a lot longer about Volkswagen. I'm sure you could have gone on longer yeah. about the ice cream. But yeah, but this was fun, though. Yeah, it was nice to say something nice about some things. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um. Do we want to wrap it up now? No, we want to do housekeeping, right? Oh, We've yeah, we have housekeeping. we got a couple topics that we want to say. So this is our first bonus episode, so we're I very know, confused. yeah. So, so the idea of housekeeping is we're going to revisit some old topics and just kind of give some updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, I'd like to talk about, uh, kind of give you an update on how John McAfee's doing. So one week after our episode went out, John McAfee dropped out of the presidential race. What? yeah. So, congrats, guys. We got it in just before it was still relevant. (laughs) Probably for the best. So, yeah. So, we dropped out and supported Vermin Supreme, who, if you don't know, is the guy. Oh, he's awesome. He's the guy who who goes around (laughs) with the boot on his head. What's he promised to every American? No, no, no. no. Hold on, Colin. You're getting there? Okay. Yes. And the reason that he supports Vermin Supreme is, in his own words, John McAfee supports fully the idea of giving every American a free pony. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> That's I'm why. That's, he, you can watch it on Twitter. He's like, I support Vermin Supreme. I believe he has the simplest platform. Let's give every American a free pony. That's something I can get behind. <laughs> and he expressed his desire to be Vermin Supreme's vice president. There we go. I'm sure it's going to happen. 
Vermin no, Supreme wears a brain boot on his head. He does, but this is not the end of the story. Okay. He said, I'm sorry, but you can't be my vice president. I already have a vice president, but I do have a position in mind for you. I need you to be my president of vice. <laughs> We're going to need someone to test all drugs and firearms before they go out to the American people. <laughs> and since you have those vices already, you are the man for the job. You will be the president of vice. You can't be the vice president. <laughs> That's fantastic. There's still no word if uh, John McAfee has accepted this position or not. <laughs> I like it. That's a good idea. We should have a president of ICE. Absolutely. Oh. Um, well, on another note, um, going back to the first episode, I told a little fib. I told a little lie. I didn't realize it. You son At of one, a bitch. Yeah, I know, right? So at one point, I said that by the time that Blockbuster went under, Netflix was worth 260 times as much money as they could have bought it for uh, in 2000. Uh, I meant to say 2,600 times. So that just kind of oh. rubs the heel into Blockbuster a little bit. To yeah. That's also screwed. market manipulation came in. You're undervaluing an asset. Uh, I think the SEC would like to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes i am the market manipulator everyone gets all their trading advice from me i think you're allowed to um under or over evaluate assets if you're talking about them in 2000 and what eight 2009 <laughs> 2000 2000 no, 2000 flat 2000 even whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah i think you're allowed to do, like i don't think the sec is gonna get that upset i don't think the sec has ever once thought about cayman mcmahon i don't think i've ever That's crossed fair. their mind yeah I think I'm probably nothing to them. But they will. They will know that name. <laughs> sure. in that, in, Soon. In that episode, did I accuse you of being worth a dollar? Was it that episode or was it some other episode? Either way, I'm <laughs> it's sorry. some episode. I'm so sorry about that. I, I wanted to cut that because I thought it was too mean. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think you said, what are you worth, like a buck fifty? Oh, a buck fifty, yeah, sorry. But still, that was not, that was not nice. Uh, one more side note. And this isn't really relate to any of our episodes, but it was something that I was thinking about just before I got on because I'd been eating some food. Okay, the the bag of like uh, scoops, you know, like scoops, chips. Yeah. They use for like salsa and stuff. Yeah. I'm so lawyer. I made like some. I made some like buffalo chicken dip. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've had your buffalo chicken dip. It's very good. Oh yeah. So I like took out some chips. And I was about to eat them, but it was like the last little bit of the bag, and I couldn't scoop anything with that. Oh, because they were all broken up. What do I do? Yeah, what? Um, do I just make, have to um, throw? No, no, no. Don't throw them away. Hold Can't on. Well, like... that's what I'm thinking. I shouldn't throw them away. So I have to say, with recent bags of scoops, a lot of the scoops have not been scoopy. Have you oh, experienced no, they're flat. It? They're flat. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're just normal flat. chips. What the? I'm bought fucking scoops. This is bullshit. I'm so happy you brought that up because I've been thinking that a lot. And I'm happy that we're actually getting the hard-hitting news on this, this podcast. Is, this is, get to I the really wish you hadn't. This is, I really wish you hadn't territory. We are doing, I'm really glad you did. If, unless you have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. We'll get into I this guess, in a later episode. Okay, moral of the story. We'll get Tostitos. Be happy for the scoops you can buy that are scoops. Yes. Don't be sad for the scoops that you buy that aren't scoops. Okay. That works. Yep. I'm going with it. That's the moral of the story. That's the whole reason we made this episode.
It's the that whole reason it. we made the podcast. That was the reason my existence. We've been waiting yeah, for this moment. This is the last moment. episode. <laughs> last episode, guys. This is it. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Ugh. Sega part one and then this and then it's over. Done. <laughs> Drop the mic. Never even a part two. Suspense. Nope. Uh, well, man, that was fun. You want to wrap us up there, sure. Michael? Um, yeah, go for it. So, yeah, everybody, be sure to follow us on Twitter at IRWYH Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at I Really Wish You Hadn't. And email us. As- email us at podcast at I'm really glad you did dot com, which I bought in the middle of this. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jesus. With all your positive topics, That's email right. us at podcast at I'm really glad you did dot com. Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And I-R-W-Y-G, or whatever. No, you I-R-G-Y-D, bought both of them? G-Y-D, right? dot com. yeah, that's it. Colin's just wow. throwing around the money today. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're starting a monopoly on web URLs that pertain to this podcast. <laughs> it's not even a monopoly. That's just a business. Monopoly. Okay. Monopoly. Okay. Excellent. Anything can be a monopoly if you make it specific enough. All right, let's get some tunes to play us out there, Colin. Oh, no, I don't, I'm not ready for this. Oh, no. No! <laughs> uh, let me, uh... Hold on, no, 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 I got this, I got... Do, 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 do. I Really Wish You Hadn't is hosted by me, Cayman McMahon, and Michael Bentley. We're produced by Colin Moore. Intro music by Michael Bentley and Colin Moore. The music you hear now is by... Probably Michael Bentley and Colin Moore. <laughs> Our cover art is by Nicator. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcast, Spotfast, or wherever Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep some of your topics happy. But we're gonna be back to talking about the bad ones. And as always, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And always do everything that I do. This is the end of the podcast.